This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome to Knowledge at Wharton. I'm Angie Bascuni. In a recent interview with Wall Street Journal, Shonda Rhimes, you know her, the powerhouse entertainment executive behind Grey's Anatomy, said this about negotiating, quote, never enter a negotiation you're not willing to walk away from. If you walk in thinking, I can't walk away, then you've already lost. This all or nothing approach has become the standard for what we consider to be success, but it doesn't have to be. Maurice Schweitzer is a professor in Wharton's Department of Operations, Information, and Decisions. He's written a paper with Inav Hart, management professor at George Mason University, which answers the question, when can negotiators profit by not focusing on profit? Dr. Schweitzer is here with me today to talk about the paper, which was recently published in the journal Organizational Behavior and Human Decision Processes. Maurice, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me. So can you summarize this research for us and explain why you wanted to study negotiating? Sure. I've become very interested in negotiation. I teach negotiation here at the Wharton School, and I see it as a really rich and interesting decision problem where we have interests that are congruent. We both want to deal. Maybe there are ways for us to make each other better off. But we also have some competing interests where, for example, maybe I want a higher price and you want a lower price. And so we have this interesting mix of congruent and competing interests that make the decision process pretty complicated. And I think in this project in particular, what's so interesting is the way people think about negotiations is often very narrow and I think pretty often wrong. That's that's quite a statement. Um, why do you think it's wrong? What what did you what did you study about this? Summarize the research. Well, I think often we think about a successful negotiator, somebody who's really tough, right? Who's hard nosed, who's going to walk away, or in the words of some very popular press books, things like "never split the difference" or "getting more." The idea that we can win a negotiation leaves the impression that we're really competing with our counterparts. And in some cases, we are. And in some cases, you can win a negotiation by beating up your counterpart or deceiving them or leveraging your opportunities to take more of the pie. There are some cases where that happens. And Maybe that can work. But I think the vast majority of cases are really quite different. Where here, for example, in the United States, 80% of the economy is in services, where we think about negotiating somebody's job offer, negotiating with a babysitter, where so much of the value that gets created happens after the negotiation ends. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that's typically missing. So if you look at negotiations in movie clips, if you look at negotiations the way most scholars have been studying them, we focus on the exchange of offers or demands 
And then we might focus on the deal or the outcome that we get as we shake hands and sign an agreement. But so much of the time, the real value gets created later. And so, and so imagine, Angie, imagine that I hired you, but through the negotiation, I really squeezed every opportunity I had to claim surplus. So I figured out the very least I could pay you, and I knew you didn't have good alternatives, so I demanded that you couldn't have very many benefits. And, and by the end of the negotiation, I've created a competitive dynamic in our relationship. And now we're working together, and I ask you to take on an extra assignment or to mentor a new employee or to stay late, that, that now I've damaged our relationship in ways that might really impact the economic outcome that I ultimately get. So it could be that I'm paying you a lower salary, but the work product is far less than it would be if I really built a great relationship through a much more collaborative negotiation process. So ultimately, you are talking about not just the negotiating in the moment, you're talking about what happens after the negotiation is over. Those warm and fuzzy feelings might fade, or they may turn into anger, rancor. So I know in this paper, you and your co-author created this, this new negotiation paradigm, and it's got a long title. I'm going to hope I get it right. <laughs> the Emotional Relationship of Outcomes. Please correct me and tell me about it. That's right. So so we're... We, we created this construct to think about the importance of the relationship to economic outcomes. So how does our relationship, as we develop it through the negotiation process, impact the post-negotiation outcomes we really get? And so we're thinking about drawing a very crisp distinction between some transactions. So imagine I'm buying a used car from you. We reach a deal, shake hands, sign the paperwork, and I drive off with my used car. And I never see you again. I never see you again. We're done. And so maybe there, if I engage in aggressive bargaining, I start high, I concede slowly, I express anger. Maybe I use deception. I might do things that are really tough on the relationship where at the end you're like, wow, that was tough. He really got a great deal, but I never want to do that again. I wouldn't want to work with him again. But maybe that's okay. I've extracted a couple hundred extra dollars and I'm driving away and we're not going to deal with with each other again. So. That's some of the negotiation context that we're in. And I think that's actually where so much of the popular press and the academic press has focused, thinking about those kinds of negotiations. And they are an important segment of our economy. But my point is, that's not actually the biggest sector of the economy. Most of our negotiations are really quite different. So more like 
a salary negotiation with an employer and many things in between. So it could be negotiating with a caterer or negotiating with your babysitter. There are all kinds of places where it may even be the case we're better off not negotiating, um, which is an idea that I think is anathema to a lot of negotiation scholars, where I want to suggest that sometimes we're better off not negotiating because by negotiating, we're creating some sense of conflict and reframing our relationship as if we're, we have opposing interests, where if a lot of the value is created after the negotiation, then we really need to be mindful of that relationship. And so the hard bargaining tactics may ultimately harm the economic value that we derive after the negotiation. So it's really a continuum. You know, how much does the relationship matter? And it can matter not at all to a little bit to a whole lot, but that's the idea. And so the paradigm that we created has the negotiation as well as a second stage where people are actually working with each other and creating value for each other. And what we found is if you harm the relationship through the negotiation process, you end up with a lower economic outcome, even if the the salary or the deal terms might be favorable. So using that example that you gave us earlier about uh, negotiating with a job candidate um, and perhaps lowballing their salary. So then under this paradigm, what you're saying is that you've brought this, this job candidate in, but now this job candidate may not work as hard for you as they would have if they had a good feeling through the negotiation. Right. So in this paradigm, what you're saying is that you need to take a look at what your outcome is, not just the starting point, but the end point. Right. So if the relationship is going to continue, unlike a car, buying a car, or I think you referenced a barbecue grill. That's um, right. <laughs> where everyone, uh, you know, money changes hands and everybody walks away. You're talking about take a look at in whether you're going to have this lasting relationship. And if so, perhaps you need to come to the negotiating table in a different way. Correct. That's exactly right. That is that is to think about, you know, does the signed agreement, do those deal terms, does that reflect the total value of the exchange? Or is there really important work that happens after the negotiation concludes that's really going to impact the total value that you get? And when that's the case, when, when we get a lot of value after the negotiation, then the relationship really matters. I think intuitively, many people kind of get this idea that is we don't we don't hammer away at our babysitters, you know, squeezing every quarter we can. We're often eager to make them happy because the value that we derive really comes after we've talked about price. And and I think that that's really an important distinction. So this idea, this arrow term that we introduce is to think about what is the economic impact of that relationship? Is it high or is it low? And that should guide the way we approach the negotiation. As you're talking, the word that I keep thinking about is compromise. Would you say that that fits into this paradigm, the idea that perhaps there's some compromising that should be done? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think the 
the idea is to think about the the right approach. And what we're saying is that, you know, in the negotiator's toolkit, one idea is to not negotiate. Second idea is to be very generous in negotiation, where it could be that what I want to do is take your perspective, figure out a way for you to be happy and thrive. Imagine that I was hiring you as a new employee and you were asking for things, but maybe there are other things that might make you better off and say, look, you know, I really want you to take this internship or, you know, here's a class you could take on the side and we're happy to fund that. I might create an environment that's even better than you anticipated, where I might say, look, I really care about your long-term career development. I really want you to stay here as long as you're happy to, but I really want to invest in you. And I want you to reciprocate and invest in our organization, feel a sense of identity with us. And, And it could be that I sort of go above and beyond in a way that ultimately creates more economic value for me. But that's different than I think the way we sort of typically think about negotiation. Absolutely. Well, this idea has implications across a number of sectors. I'm thinking about education, certainly politics, certainly right now, and definitely business. What is the one big takeaway that you want people to get from your study after they read this? Well, I think the key idea is to to recognize the the economic value of the relationship, where the relationship sometimes is not very important, but quite often it's it's extremely important. And I think new technologies have made relationships even more important, even when we might not interact with, with each other again. So companies like Airbnb or Uber with reputation ratings have figured out a way to make a seemingly single shot transaction. That is, I rent your house and I plan to never do it again. That's a single transaction, but there's a long-term reputational consequence. And that long-term repeated interaction potential makes the relationship important. And because the relationship then becomes important, we want to relatively privilege relationship outcomes. So I might you know, try to help you out. I might make a concession. I might compromise, or I might not even negotiate, even though I might be able to obtain a better deal, but ultimately it's not a better total outcome. Think about what comes next, not just the moment that you're in. That's right. That's right. Thank you for being with me today and teaching us about the finer points of negotiation. The full title of the paper is, When Should We Care More About Relationships Than Favorable Deal Terms in Negotiations? The Economic Relevance of Relational Outcomes. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more just like it on our website, where you can also find all our articles on the latest research in business. For Knowledge at Wharton, I'm Angie Bastiani. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.